0: Hello, welcome to the Sarah Avon Stover podcast, a space to come home to your inner wisdom. I'm Sarah, bestselling author and teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality. And this podcast was born out of my own desire to hear Dharma talks, which are what the Buddhist tradition calls wisdom teachings, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Here, I'll share these very talks, along with rich conversations about all different facets of the feminine spiritual journey. But above all, I created this because I believe that when a woman gets still and quiet enough to hear her inner wisdom, she's able to live her true path in the world. I hope this podcast helps you do just this. I'm happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to 2021. You know, this year has gotten off to a bit of a rough start, which is to be expected, I think. Uh, The COVID numbers are reaching record levels here in the US, and we had the supremacist insurrection at the Capitol last week. More is slated for the day that this is coming out, Sunday. January 17th no doubt these are transformational times and chaos is inherent in transformation we can't change without things getting chaotic change in in and of itself is is uncomfortable it's unpredictable it's messy and that just knowing that certainly doesn't make it any easier but it, it I think it helps to just keep things in context. So regardless of where you're landing in all of this, or perhaps I should say inclusive of where you're landing in all of this, I'm sending you my love and support and just want to, just want to name that however this is impacting you is really valid and real. And, and I know that it's, it's hard and different degrees of hard for, for all of us. And my intention is that today's Dharma Talk will offer some some balm for the, the pain, for the discomfort, for the unsettledness in the nervous system. Uh, before I dive into the Dharma Talk, I just wanted to share just a few things that are helping me currently. And I would say the biggest thing when I reflect on it is, is simply routine. I was really grateful and relieved, I could say, to take a few weeks off over the holidays. Usually, I like to take a couple of weeks off, but this year I had the chance to to do three, and it was nice to, to some degree, to drop out of that routine. I, I did a little bit of travel, and travel just has a way of of shifting us out of routine, and and that was refreshing and but now actually coming back to to work to the regular day-to-day life it, it feels good to be grounding back into my routine and and to really be putting my own well-being my own state of mind first i feel like i'm doing that more now than i ever have before and just knowing that Everything else flows from my state of being, from the quality of my being. So the things that are in my routine are supportive of that. And certainly it's waking up and meditating for half an hour. Before I meditate, I, I do some pranayama for several minutes. I read a lesson from the workbook of The Course in Miracles I do some chanting and then I sit and then I eat some breakfast and do some gentle yoga. And after that, do some journaling and, and also do a creative writing practice. I'm trying to reintegrate just writing in, into my daily life. And so I really just use the mornings for myself for doing the things that I know are the most important to me that that really strengthen me. And then later in the day, I move into work. And then I wind down through um, oftentimes a walk with my dog. I like to walk for about an hour. And it's helpful that the days are getting longer. So I, I can get out later, I have more time to work, and I can get, get out later. And then just winding down in the evening, whether that's Connecting with a friend in person or over Zoom or reading. These days I'm reading a lot. I was watching different Netflix shows for a bit, and I kind of haven't found a new one to land on that I enjoy. So if you have any recommendations, I'm I'm all ears. But I've been enjoying reading, and I'm doing a, a couple of of trainings now, so I have some some extra kind of academic reading to do for those and usually a bath in the evening with my favorite cocktail of Epsom salts and apple cider vinegar and baking soda candlelight in the bath and then going to bed so pretty simple pretty basic and just keeping things that simple and basic and just centered around my well-being are very helpful so wherever you are i hope that your routine is is serving you as we move into i guess the 10th month now of the pandemic and from there i want to ease into into the dharma talk for today and you know i first discovered the dharma which is a term used in buddhist in the buddhist tradition in the the yogic and Indian traditions, throughout a lot of Eastern spiritual traditions. And I first discovered it about 22 years ago. So I was 21 and I was attending my very first 10 day silent Vipassana meditation retreat at a Buddhist monastery in Southern Thailand called Wat Suan Mok. For any of you who've been there, it's a really special place. And it's translated as the garden of liberation. We would wake up at 4 a.m. as is traditional in a Thai monastery and as is traditional in many of these Vipassana retreats. 4 a.m. is said to be the Buddha hour, the hour that the Buddha awakened. And we would wake up to the sound of temple bells. And we would get dressed and make our way into the outdoor dharmasala and sit in silence, sit in stillness, as we listen to a Dharma talk from one of the, the local monks or nuns. And this talk was often just set the tone for the day, give us a theme to work with. And Dharma can be loosely translated as meaning wisdom or universal truth. Truth has a particularly particular frequency. It's a frequency that aligns. It's a frequency that heals. It's a frequency that soothes. So that even when a truth is spoken that is hard to hear or hard to accept, even within that, there's something reassuring in it because we feel that it's the truth. And I feel it's important to say this because there's a lot of untruth in the world right now. And just as truth brings cohesion, untruth brings incoherency. It makes us feel out of whack, out of sorts, knocked off center, living in a delusional reality. So truth feels like medicine and untruth can feel like poison. Given this, here's some truth for you today, Um, because truth helps to strengthen our energy fields. And just as my daily routine helps to strengthen my energy field, helps to strengthen your energy field, we need to keep strengthening our fields because when we do this, we, we build our capacity to be with those things that are out of whack. Whether that's reading the news, watching the news, being on social media, going out and doing errands in the pandemic, dealing with whatever else is present in your life, the more that we strengthen our energy fields, the more that we can just hold our center amidst a lot of fluctuations, a lot of discomfort, a lot of chaos. And the truth that I want to speak about today is on the topic of initiations. And I chose this topic for today and for the first podcast of 2021 because and you certainly don't need me to tell you this. We're all undergoing an initiation right now. So simply put an initiation is a transition from one state of being to another. It's an alchemical process, it's a transformational process. And just as I said at the front end of this talk, change is chaotic. So inherent in initiation is chaos, is uncertainty, is confusion, is ambiguity. And literally everyone in the world, I think it's fair to say, is undergoing an initiation right now. And there's never been a time in history, at least that I'm aware of, when we've all been so deeply impacted by the same things. All of our lives have been restricted, have come to a halt in one way or another, and we're all being asked or even forced to change. And within this global initiation, this global unbecoming and becoming or each undergoing some sort of individual initiation and I want to acknowledge that that initiation for you may have been going on prior to this pandemic. I know that was the case for me and those of us who are in that situation are like welcome to my quarantine life. I've been here for a while. This is familiar to me and for some it's it just started with the pandemic and this initiation could be around your finances your career your health your relationships maybe you're facing a loss of some sort or some other shift even a shift in identity depression So just because we're in a pandemic doesn't mean that life has stopped dishing out its fair share of curveballs and hardships. Given that this is so, what do we do with this? How do we keep going when life is so hard? When there's so much uncertainty, when there's so much discomfort? Or as a friend recently shared with me, in a message. And this is a friend who's raising two small children and healing from breast cancer. And when I asked her how she was doing, she said, sometimes things are harder than hard. And we all know that place, right? I do. How do we keep going when life is harder than hard? And it's my hope that today's talk will help to shine light on this. Before we go deeper, I invite you to take three deep, full-bodied breaths with me to come more fully into our bodies, to come more fully into present time. So let's inhale through our nostrils, attempting to fill our whole body with our breath. And exhale through your mouth. So welcome to let out a sigh or a sound if that feels good. Let's do two more of those breaths. So breathing in. And breathing out any stale, distracted energy. And last time, breathing in. And breathing out. Thanks for that. Deep breaths help for sure. As we take our next step into this exploration of initiations, first, I want to speak a bit about why I care about initiations and how I've come to know quite a bit about them. The first thing I want to name is that my second book, which came out just over five years ago, is called The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power. This book was born out of the difficulties I experienced after publishing my first book, The Way of the Happy Woman, about five years prior to that, in uh, 2011, almost 10 years now. While I was writing that first book, I experienced a pretty severe relapse in my bulimia, and I had been in various cycles of anorexia and bulimia in my late teens and early 20s, as I know was the case for many of us. And a little bookmark I want to add here is that in next month's podcast episode in February, I'm going to be speaking more about this as healing from eating disorders is really tricky, really challenging. And adult relapses are far more common than we think or know. And I know that they that they've also been triggered a lot by people during the pandemic. And I just want to validate that that's completely normal. If that's what you're experiencing. And I know that it's, it's very painful and disorienting as well, especially if you've if you've devoted a lot of your life to, to healing that. So that was happening as I was writing my first book. And I actually my second book opens with me sharing the story of that in more detail. And shortly after that bulimia relapse, I started to experience what I can best describe as visitations from Mary Magdalene. And I've had a, a strong relationship with Mother Mary since childhood. And Mary Magdalene was not someone who was kind of on my radar I should say and I know it's become a lot more common to hear about this in in recent years and during these communications with her I was also having very random dizzy spells and a lot of disorientation so needless to say it was it was um, a turbulent time and all the while, as my first book came out, that was also just a big leap for me in my career, and it was wonderful in so many ways. I got, I got a lot of press, I got a lot of attention, I was very much in the spotlight, and that also has its, its downsides. I was also exhausted and ungrounded, and I, I, I didn't yet know how to adjust myself and to navigate that bigger energy in my life, I, I still had some, some integrating and some growing to do in that regard. And what those two incidences combined with the publishing of my first book showed me was that um, my nervous system was growing strong enough after, at that point, about a decade or, or so of deep spiritual and psychological work. To, to be a container for deeper unhealed wounds to surface so while I had addressed a lot of the the root causes of the bulimia and the anorexia there, there were still deeper layers that had been healed that had been covered over by by armoring and protection so at that time then really throughout my 30s I just did a lot of kind of, deep sea diving into unprocessed shadow material from my childhood and coming against various psychological barriers that were holding me back from feeling more whole and integrated. At that same time, I was working with hundreds of women from around the world in my online courses and in-person retreats, as well as in private mentoring sessions. And it was especially in the private mentoring sessions when, you know, women come to me during these times of crises or during these times of transition, maybe they're having a bulimia relapse or maybe they're questioning, should I leave my partner? Or they're questioning, um, how do I, how do I heal from a betrayal or um, trying to make big life decisions? And so throughout me working through these issues within myself, I was also working with other women on those issues in their own lives. And that's kind of how it works, at least for me, just the things that I'm working with. I find that I, I then draw those, those women to me as well. And so then I started to write the book of She, and the book of She then started to become the roadmap for this process of initiation, of deep feminine initiation, helping women transform obstacles into doorways and pain into power. And when I say helping women, I also mean helping myself because really the work that I do and the books that I write, they come out of what I discover about what helps me to heal. And It's about me making sense of things in my life that are nonsensical and that I I don't find the resources that I need, so I create them. And right when that book was published back in October 2015, I felt a huge sense of relief that that was the end of that particular season of my life, that very challenging heroine's journey. It felt like a homecoming. Yet, I've since learned to be careful what I write a book about because right after that, my life fell apart. I mean, I feel like fell apart is is too light of a phrase. It it really imploded in a much bigger, much more traumatic way than I had ever experienced before than I could have ever imagined. So the details of that are fodder for a future book. And I, I write some stories about that, in various places on my website and the internet. But all of this is to say that in in the time since that book came out, the book about feminine initiations, about the heroine's journey, which is the, the roadmap, the archetype for a feminine initiation, I went into a much deeper, longer more challenging initiation. And I've come out of that now. And now I know initiation much more intimately than really I ever knew that I could, really than ever, than I ever really wanted to. <laughs> but I'm grateful that I do uh, because I can really be with others, particularly women, who are navigating those dark passages when really there is no light. And that's what I want to have a conversation with you about today. I want to take a short break from today's Dharma Talk to share with you an upcoming opportunity to go deeper into this process of initiation which is a central piece of deepening into the feminine mysteries. From February 3rd to May 5th, I'm leading a different kind of book club. It's called The Book of She Club, a 13 week community initiation. Divorce, depression, baby loss, betrayal, illness, bankruptcy, the pandemic, the list goes on and on. We're conditioned to see ourselves as failures when we're faced with these things. And how could we not, when modern society doesn't recognize the necessity and severity of initiations, as the the means through which we shed these false outgrown layers of ourselves, in order to fulfill our destinies, and to better contribute to the world in the way that we are uniquely designed to. And because of this societal invalidation, we don't have the containers we need to hold us through these times, these times of being dismantled and reconfigured. But it hasn't always been this way. Our ancestors once knew how to honor initiations. They provided safe holding environments, wise context, helpful meaning making for individuals to do the deep work that these opportunities disguised as crises demand. Think about it, just as a caterpillar needs a cocoon in order to become a butterfly, you also need a container to become the next more evolved, aligned version of yourself. And without a cocoon in place, you risk an initiation going in the wrong direction. You know, an initiation going in the wrong direction can become a breakdown or psychosis. I hope that's not the case for you, but it's not uncommon. An initiation can take far longer than it needs to, or it could never come to fruition at all. You could just kind of stay in that place. Since we're in a rare global moment of mass initiation within which we're each undergoing our own unique individual initiations, I want to invite you to gather with me in a safe container, in a cocoon, to do this deep inner work together as a community. So in this 13 week group initiation, You'll be held as you move through whatever feelings are arising, disorientation, exhilaration, exhaustion, doubt, loneliness. I'll share crucial context and meaning making for what you're experiencing, helping you to orient yourself in these murky yet still very real stages of your process. And in turn, you'll be empowered to trust your experience and to try on new perspectives that you maybe haven't seen before. Using the archetypal map of the heroine's journey that's laid out in my second book, The Book of She, I'll guide you through each of the 13 phases of this journey, which is the blueprint to every woman's mythological initiation. I encourage you to read along as we go. We'll cover one chapter a week, and we'll meet each week, on a 75 minute zoom call. And in each call, I'll share a Dharma talk about that week's theme. And fresh insights that I've discovered about the initiation process in the past five years since writing the book, as well as encapsulating what is already written in the book. And I'll lead you through a practice to embody that week's teaching, as well as open up time for q&a and group sharing. As always, if you can't attend live, you'll receive a recording after each class. And while initiation is a very personalized experience, no one is meant to go through this process alone. So I look forward to sharing this sacred space with you during your own initiation while traversing this next season of the pandemic together. You can learn more and join us at sarahavantstover.com forward slash hashtag book club. sarahavantstover.com forward slash hashtag book club. That's Sarahavonstover.com hashtag book club. Sorry, forward slash hashtag book club. And now let's head back to today's talk. So now that we've really unpacked what an initiation is, why it's important, what my experience with initiations is, I want to explore together the three dangers of modern day initiations. What happens when we live in a culture that actually doesn't honor initiations? And what you, what we can do in the midst of this to overcome this, to help change the status quo, to help make our situations more workable. So, the first danger, danger number one, is you try to navigate your initiation alone. You try to navigate your initiation alone. I recently heard someone say and I wish I could remember who the quote was from. And I don't have the name of the person. I don't have the exact quote. And I'm sorry about that. But if someone has it, please um, feel free to email me. But it's that the real psychosis is not individual. It's collective. That Western civilization is the real psychosis. And this, this points us to a huge perspective shift that these times are calling us towards because we orient so much, if not all of our lives from a stance of me as an individual. We're highly individualistic, especially in this country, the country that I'm in, the United States. We think our problems are ours to figure out on our own. We think that we're just in it for ourselves. Yet, we were never meant to operate in this way We're we're pack animals. And most of the problems that we face in our lives, which we think are our fault, are the result of deep cultural wounding, and of living in a time where over many generations, society and community has broken down and when we look at that when we look at the chain of wounding and societal brokenness of course we're experiencing the challenging the challenges that we're experiencing so some years ago when i was in the throes of this deeper initiation, I was, I was grieving a lot. I was grieving a pretty traumatic betrayal. I was grieving an abortion. And at that time, I'm grateful that I learned some methods from other cultures that helped me to be with grief in a new way. And these, um, these ways of being with grief were grief rituals. West African grief rituals, and these are brought to the West, mostly through the work of Malidoma Somé and his late ex-wife, Sabanfu Somme. Together, they brought community grief rituals from Burkina Faso to the United States, and they teach that grief is such a massive energy, so huge. That the individual nervous system actually isn't designed to run that much energy by itself. It actually needs to plug into the community's nervous system so that it doesn't get overloaded, so it doesn't short-circuit. Grief, they teach, needs a container. It needs community in order to be processed. But what happens in our Western world is that when someone experiences a loss, and I definitely experience this, they can also find that the people around them start moving away from them rather than towards them, kind of like rats from a sinking ship. We live in a death adverse, grief adverse, hardship adverse world, we glorify winning, shininess, happiness, people being at the top of the Wheel of Fortune. So when they fall down to the bottom of that wheel, which we all always do at some point and usually more than one point, we abandon them, we move away from them, it scares us. So what do we do with this danger of, try- we try to navigate the initiation alone? The antidote, which perhaps I made clear is we seek out support and community. When you're going through a hard time, it's important to have solitude and quiet. You you need a lot of space to process that grief and trauma, it takes time, there's a lot to sort through. So in that sense, there's a solitariness to hardship that's unavoidable, and super uncomfortable. However, in addition to that, we also need the support of our communities to look after us, to have someone to call when we need to talk, no matter what time of the day or night it is, to have someone who can just sit with us without judging us when we're in pain and wild with grief, to have someone bring us food or invite us over for a meal, to have someone just to to text or call and say, How are you doing today? We need people to validate what we're experiencing, to, to tell us that it's normal, and to reflect back to us how brave we are for going to these dark places. And these times of transformation need cocoons. They need a cocoon. Yes, our own home needs to become a cocoon, like a self-care haven for us, but it also needs something larger to hold us, like like a, a womb is the container for a fetus to grow into a baby, or a chrysalis for a caterpillar to grow into a butterfly. We need these safe, sacred containers to hold us while we're unbecoming our former selves and becoming who we are not quite yet. And these spaces need to be protected and they need to be held by people who've been through these very processes. And who understand them, who aren't going to think that we're crazy, or they're not going to be triggered by the level of pain that we're experiencing and expressing. And even Western psychotherapy, which I'm so grateful and appreciative for, and I've been immersed in since I was 16 years old, still focuses mostly on the individual. rather than focusing on what's in the collective, what's in the ancestry, what's in your culture's wounding that's making this so. So yes, it can be nice to be held in a therapist's office, but we also need something larger, more continual, more communal, as these initiations can be quite large and last up to several years in some cases. All right. So danger number one is trying to navigate it alone. The antidote to that is seeking out support and community. Danger number two is you try to positive think your way out of your initiation. You try to positive think your way out of it. In addition to this pathological individualism, Something else that's rampant in our culture is toxic positivity, especially in spiritual and wellness circles. This is where a lot of spiritual bypassing happens. Like, smile, even if you don't feel like it, to change your body's neurochemistry. Keep a gratitude journal and focus on the bright side. Turn away from lower vibration emotions like depression, anger, and grief. And strive for higher vibration emotions like joy and love. While all of this is true, and while I do those things myself at times, when we do them without first fully feeling and softening into the rawness of whatever is present for us, we're performing an act of self-violence. We are invalidating ourselves. Saying, how I'm feeling is not okay, or even just ignoring how you're feeling and trying to feel something else. But let's have compassion for ourselves. Like how could we not do this when we live in a culture that's constantly invalidating our pain and our suffering, asking us to put a smile on our faces. And the antidote to this danger of trying to positive think your way out of it is to let yourself be where you are and to seek out people who can do that with you. The kind of people that you really want to have around you and to va- invest in having relationships with are those who love and accept you for who you are as you are. These are people who can be with you when you're in your darkest, most raw, messiest places and aren't asking you to do or be something different. The thing is, the only people that can do this and be this for you are those who have lived through their own dark nights, who have really faced their own demons, who have faced these, this level of uncertainty and, and suffering. For those who haven't done that deep inner work, what you're going through will probably be scary for them, will be triggering for them, even at an unconscious level. If they're afraid to face those things in themselves, they're going to judge and resist them in you. So danger number two is trying to positive think your way out of it. And the antidote to that is to let yourself be where you are and seek out people who can do that with you. Danger number three, you think you're going crazy or that you're a horrible person you think you're going crazy or that you're a horrible person I want to add to that or that you think you did something horribly wrong and this one stems from the previous two dangers okay so when our culture invalidates us when we're left alone to face an enormous level of suffering without support. I mean, think about it. Bereavement leave from most workplaces on average is about three days. And many workplaces don't even offer bereavement leave. This in and of itself completely invalidates (laughs) the enormity of grief and the sacred process that grief is. And you're still gonna be in shock three days after a loss. The grief hasn't even set in. In ancient cultures, individuals were given space to grieve for a full year. So think about it as well. You know, if if you didn't lose someone through death, a lot of times in a relationship, if someone leaves you for someone else or someone cheats on you. In our culture it's still the woman who ends up feeling humiliated in these situations. It's baked into our culture that if a woman breaks out of societally accepted roles and containers that she's a failure. And we internalize this. We take it on. We 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 think that it's our fault even if even if at like a certain rational level we know that's not true. At a deeper felt sense, parts of us believe this because this is, this is the water that we're swimming in still. With this, we're so afraid of failure. We're so afraid of hardship because we don't want to be estranged from society. And yet failure and hardship are normal, natural, even needed parts of, of life and of growth. There are also countless stories in art and in real life of women who are really brilliant or are having a really deep spiritual experience and they're labeled as crazy. So this kind of judgment for a woman undergoing transformation is rampant. The antidote to this, thinking that you're going crazy or that you're a horrible person, is to connect with the divine as you as you best perceive it and to make your own meaning of the situation. So to connect with the divine and make your own meaning. So we want to seek out safe spaces, safe individuals who've been through similar rites of passage, passages, who really get what you're going through because this this act of validation is potent medicine, just like truth is potent medicine. So is validation. And we also need those individuals who have walked that path to help provide contacts to say, Hey, look, you're going through an initiation. Here's the roadmap. Look, you've been through these stages so far, and now you're in this stage here, and these are the ones that you have left. Just like now, I am recording this in mid January in Boulder, Colorado, and it's gray and it's cold. And I have the context of like, oh, spring is coming in two months. I am here and that's going to be happening there. So I I know what's around the corner. And that that helps to buoy me like that gives me more resilience that gives me more hope. We need this context to bring rhyme and reason to things that the mind can't grasp. There is an architecture to these dark passages. And when we can find people to help us see that and to help us make meaning out of very confusing experiences, the end result is is that we feel more empowered and even inspired We can see how to partner with life through whatever our current circumstance is in order to to grow us. We can see how it's an important stepping stone or launching pad even. And that's the whole point of an initiation. An initiation is an honor. An initiation comes because you're ready to grow and to evolve. An initiation wants to empower you. It wants to wants to show you the layers of your false self that, that it's time to shed. It wants to expand your nervous system's capacity to better hold the largeness of your soul. And initiation is urging you to live a fuller life that's truer to who you are. So again, danger number three is you think you're going crazy or that you're a horrible person. And the antidote is to connect with the divine and to make your own meaning of the situation. All of this is to say, again, beware of the dangers and pitfalls of undergoing an initiation in modern society. We're not set up for this. We're overly individualistic, so seek out community. We try to positive think our way out of hard times. Let yourself be where you are. And be with people who can be with you where you are. We invalidate those who are struggling. Seek out a roadmap and guides and guideposts and make meaning for where you are. If you're undergoing an initiation, a transformation, and again, I don't know who isn't right now. I guess there's certain degrees of acceptance and consciousness around the process. I say blessings on this very normal and very natural part of human life. And I also want to to remind you that my book, The Book of She, offers a roadmap for this process. It's there for you if it would be helpful. I know there are other roadmaps out there, and I really encourage you to seek out the ones that feel like a yes in your system. Feel like a yes for this season of your life. And if my upcoming book club on the book of She will provide a sacred container in which I and we flesh this all out in community, I would love to have you there. And again, you can learn more and join us at sarahavantstover.com forward slash hashtag book club. And the link to that will be in the show notes. I want to close with a quote from Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, a Jungian analyst and author of the acclaimed book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. She's also a grand dame of feminine initiations. She once wrote, Don't waste your time hating failure. Failure is a greater teacher than success. So on that note, I bless your perceived failure and all the teachings that it's bringing into your life hang in there we're in we're in this for the long haul in terms of this world transformation and uh, wherever you are in it I'm feeling you I'm honoring you I'm bowing you bowing to you and I'm grateful to be on this journey together Thank you so much for joining me and for taking this time out for yourself. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be very grateful if you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way other women who might enjoy it can better find it. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.